1: And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome to Inside the Hive. We made it to the other side, Joe Hagan. I'm Emily Jane Fox. Joe, I, I honestly, when we recorded last week it really felt like we were in this endless cycle of doom scroll and cable news and sleeplessness. Mm-hmm. And within Pardon. within like 36 hours of us recording, we had our answer. I'm very curious where you were on Saturday morning, mid-morning afternoon for you when you found out the news that we have a new president-elect.
1: Well, I had spent the morning... F- Once again, flipping on CNN and watching Wolf Blitzer and John King, which it was like watching, you know, The Odd Couple meets (laughs) Apocalypse Now for like a week. And uh, I think it was mid-morning and I just happened, I was walking, walking through my kitchen, happened to look at the Twitter scroll and started to see a lot of exclamation points. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, is this real? And then I went to the Times app website with the massive Biden beats Trump mega megafont. They, mm. they must have been storing that, you know, in deep freeze until this moment. It was and it was hugely, you know, your head blew off at the at the news. <clears throat> and then I began to hear people screaming down my block, yelling no. and screaming people. I heard people yelling and then I heard bells, like people ringing bells and just making horns honking. And I'm in a little, you know, semi-rural village in the Hudson Valley right now. And so I'm like, wow, is there a fire? You know, that's what the level of kind of excitement. And so that was exciting. And so I leapt outside to see what was going on. And my neighbors started to gather on the street, some people down the road. And so I went and said hello to them. And they were all, you know, in a state of uh sort of disoriented bliss
0: yeah it's it definitely felt disorienting i actually because we're three hours behind it was it was early saturday morning and um and i get it was like before eight o'clock i got two text messages from two very different segments of my life saying um it's going to be called in the next half hour and uh so we need to turn on the television (laughs) And uh, we saw it sort of roll in on TV. And I live in L.A. off of um, off of Mulholland. So it's not exactly a place where people congregate. But we started hearing h- horns honking off of Mulholland, which is just a crazy thing because we don't live that close to it. Mm-hmm. And it's quite far away. It's not a highly trafficked street. So it just felt like, whoa, if we're hearing it up here, what must it be like in the rest of the world uh, I went down to Beverly Hills later in the day in the flats of Beverly Hills where every weekend for the last many weeks there's been a Trump MAGA rally and um, in fact the weekend before the election it was the biggest rally I've ever seen I couldn't even find a parking space in this very residential area because there were so many people who had driven in to participate in this MAGA rally it's a crazy thing but um, you still saw some MAGA cars out like there they had Trump flags Uh, Women for Trump, um, this like very crazy religious group for Trump saying that Trump was the messiah. It was wild. But all these cars were still there. The difference was on Saturday was you had a ton of people walking with Biden signs and a ton of cars slow driving past the cars with their middle fingers up toward the Trump vehicles, which I don't condone, but it was very cathartic to see that it felt like sort of the first time that... MAGA had been neutered a little bit, like, I would be scared to say something to people with gigantic pickup trucks, with gigantic wheels, with gigantic Trump flags. Those are not the people I'm desperate to antagonize. But (laughs) on Saturday, there were people, just normal people who were willing to antagonize them because it sort of felt like they had been defanged. And I think that that's been My predominant feeling since then, I know that we have sort of entered this post-election anxiety zone, and that is definitely by, uh, it's the making of our president and also our general PTSD over what has happened over the last five years. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's been this real fear of, is there going to be a coup? And for several days, that was like, that was the thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I never really bought into it. Nor did I.
1: Nor did I. Yeah.
0: I think you, were, you, you and I were similarly cool on this, this one singular thing. <laughs> and I think my, I'm curious why you were cool about it. But my, my reasoning was, from everyone who I know who knows the president very well, he doesn't actually want to stage a coup. He wants to, to stage a publicity event, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to leave. He will never admit he lost he will never in his life admit that he lost no. this election. He will forever, until the end of time, say that this was stolen from him, that there was corruption, that there was election fraud, despite the fact that there is absolutely no evidence of any of those things. But he will leave that building. He will go on to start other things that allow him to build off of the fear that he has created and the chaos he has created over this period of time. But he will leave the building. There's not going to be a governmental coup. The one thing that started to make me a little bit nervous and unnerved me more than anything was, uh, I think it was on Tuesday, maybe it was Monday, I don't know, days, days. Yeah, what are um, the days? I, I don't know. But they the, there was a reporter who was stationed in Capitol Hill asking Republican senators if they had congratulated President-elect Biden yet. And their responses were basically, what is there to congratulate him on? I saw that, yeah. He -hmm. hasn't been certified. I'll congratulate him if he actually wins. And that to me felt, it just is low. Right. Yeah, it just felt like the, the, the scummiest of the scum. It's one thing to have lost your soul to Donald Trump because you felt like it served you in your own elections. It's another thing to lose your democracy to Donald Trump. That's just a different level. Right. And that—that that is the one part of this that really bothered me. I don't really give a shit about anything that Trump says. You know what his motivations are. He wants to make money. He wants people to love him, and he wants to remain relevant. That's it. He's a very simple man. Yes. He does really complicated things, but he's a very simple man. His desires are very simple. The Republicans continuing down the road that, that I really... I'm shocked they are still continuing down, was the most disheartening moment for me. But I think that there is an end in sight.
1: And there's an explanation for it. I mean, basically, the party went all in on Trump. They are beholden to what they perceive to be an affirmation of his powers, not because, you know, he lost, but there was a huge number of people who came out to vote for him. Marco Rubio is like, you know, out there trying to rebrand the party as multicultural, he said the other day. You know, because they got a higher uh, Latino and African-American vote, and they are not prepared to start breaking up the party at this moment, even though it, they haven't, you know, uh, conceded, they know they know that they lost, but they realize they have this window in which they're going to let Trump uh, you know, get what he needs out of it. And it, what it does for them is it uh, keeps them unified during this window of potential chaos, especially with a Georgia runoff on the horizon. And let's see if we can keep control of Congress, right? So that's because, in and the voters affirmed the Republicans in Congress by leaving most of them in. And so in their mind, they're threading a needle right now. That's what it boils Mm. down to. But I never believed it because, first, as you said, Trump is just into the publicity. He is also setting the groundwork for becoming the troll-in-chief, right? He's going to troll Biden and make that part of his brand while also fomenting conspiracies about how he, you know, all the votes were fraudulent or stolen. You know, whatever his excuse ends up being, it doesn't even matter, right? They'll believe anything he says, The, the hardcore now on this other subject of him potentially building a media empire this goes to what i also think about this coup concept is which is that trump has shown himself repeatedly to be the most like inept manager you know possible to have in the white house they they cannot they would never be able to pull off a coup. They couldn't manage a coup. They, they they have a hotline for fraud voters to call and it's constantly busy and when it's not constantly busy it's being called in by, you know, pranks. You know, pranks. Did pranksters. you listen
0: to some of the pranks?
1: Oh, uh, no, are some of them out there.
0: You should listen to that. Oh I gosh. recommend that anyone listening to them listen yep. to them. It's so dumb. Yeah. But I think for me phony phone calls always tickle my funny phone. so yeah if you if you're into that kind of thing no i, I love it i mean it reminds like
1: the anybody remember the jerky boys um so my uh thing is even with whatever he does in prospe- you know they're also about don junior taking over the rnc and basically i have
0: something to talk about about that yeah please here's what i think so this can segue us into a little bit of of what i've been working on this week um I've been working on a story about what's next for uh, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. And we can talk about what I think is next for them and also why you are annoyed with this storyline, because I think both are are <laughs> valid. Um, but in my reporting of this, I've been talking to people who are close to Don Jr. I've been talking to people who are close to Jared and Ivanka. And like they truly believe, the family truly believes that they are The rulers of the republican party and will be for a very very long time like the chatter about trump running in 2024 is not just chatter he he is saying it his family is saying it and not only could we face a a potential trump 2024 run though the chatter is real i do not know how real the the actuality of that will be in four years but i will tell you that the the talk of that in the inner circle is happening but they there is now real talk about other people in the Trump family running for office in, in a way that I actually, for the last four years have, have poured water on that idea. Like I've really believed that once they were out of office, they weren't going to run for office because life outside of public service seems to suit their interests more. They're not, they're not really public servants. They are um, private service servants to their own pocketbooks. Mm -hmm. And, I have been very surprised over the last week to talk to people who are very close to them who are saying that, that it's a real possibility yeah and it's it's just I, I'm not saying it's going to happen I'm not saying that this is real I'm just reporting that that's the chatter within yeah. these groups at least the chatter that they're repeating to me and then what I always think about is why are they repeating this to me right so yeah they're trying to it's it. one thing to it's one thing to have these conversations in a private zone. It's another thing to repeat them to a reporter who has serially covered them ad nauseum for the last five years. There's a there's a reason for everything that they do. Yeah. And um, I, I don't think that the reason is because 100% they're dead set on running for office. I do think the reason is that they want to appear like their world is their oyster. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting is that yes. they want to to promote the idea that no door is closed to them, that they're so popular and so beloved that they can do anything that they want to do, whether that is uh, go back to New York and live a normal life in Manhattan, whether that is run for office in Florida, whatever it is, that's what they, they want to uh, put out into the world right now. I will say that... Um, not just talking to people who are close to them, but in talking to people who actually strongly dislike them. The, the picture that I am getting of Jared and Ivanka's post-White House life is really, it's fascinating. Can I just tell you a little bit, and then you can tell me why this is annoying sure. for me to be reporting this? Okay. So you have a lot of people, people who like them, people who don't know them, people who really dislike them uh, saying that they are going to be able to enter life back in Manhattan. And here's why. It would seem counterintuitive because New York, because New York hates them. Uh, and the average person in New York has been protesting their entire family and everything they stand for. The state and the city have overwhelmingly voted him, uh, out of office and they did not vote for him the first time around you have many influential people who live in new york spending a lot of time on twitter saying like whatever you do don't welcome them back to new york so it seems a little counterintuitive but um there are a couple of circles that i think will welcome them back based on my reporting the, f- the first is like the jewish day schools that they go to their, their kids go to um from the people i've talked to the reasons range from um the president being really strong on israel Uh, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, making the deal with the UAE, to the fact that they are rich and they are powerful and they are famous and that being sort of a universal solve. Uh, The other circle and uh, the way I'm writing this is a lot more colorful than the way I'm saying it, but the other side to this is the sort of like incurious semi-rich person in New York who doesn't really keep up with the news but who cares about like people who maybe get to be written about in the Daily Mail and maybe they'll have their picture in the Daily Mail and that's what they'll care about. And this was said to me in a very not nice way (laughs) that the kind of person who cares about reading about themselves in Quest Magazine will care about being friends with Jared Ivanka and then the next day call everyone that they know and say oh my god I had no idea they were going to be there I wouldn't have gone if I knew they were going to be there but of course they knew they were going to be there and wanted sort of the proximity to them it's sort of like a a second or third or fourth tier in the, the New York social strata will accept them back um, I will say though on the flip side of this there are eyes everywhere the People that they want to be friends with, that Jared and Ivanka are desperate to be friends with, will not be friends with them. And those people will have eyes. They are watching anyone who dares to socialize them. No one wants to be the first. No one wants to be the middle. No one wants to be the last. And so I think it's particularly damning for Jared and Ivanka because the people who they truly want to impress Rob Elbows with, will not accept them and they will not accept anyone that they're actually friends with accepting them so the world will be open to them but the world that jared Ivanka want to live in will not be open to them that's the extent of my reporting
1: yeah this is inside the hive three two one political breakdown is a daily politics podcast from kqed in san francisco that goes deep into the issues you care about How is your social battery right now? Is it bursting with energy or drained? How do you recharge it? Have you ever reflected on those questions? Therapy can give you the self-awareness to build a social life that doesn't drain your battery. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash hive today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash hive. You know that I have like, this is my like um, hobby horse right now.
0: I like it. I actually, I, I agree, generally agree with it. So just explain it to
1: people. Well, it basically boils down, it's a very simple thing. And in fact, I was just having a conversation this morning with Jake Tapper about it because. We got into this exchange, and we talked about having him back on the podcast to talk about a postmortem in the uh, for how the media has been a party to Trumpism, how it was covered, who did it, you know who covered it best, and the the truth is is that these guys, as you said at the top, especially Trump or you know, Trump in general, thrive on attention. They want to be uh, in the limelight and that requires cameras, it requires microphones, it requires interest, and the degree to which we agree to um, meet them halfway and convert them into post-presidential reality stars in the way they had already been reality stars and to mint them as characters in the world that they want to be seen, you know, we are a part of that and we make decisions about what's newsworthy. And I'm not saying we have all the power and we can, you know, tell people how, what they should pay attention to. But, you know, look at what has happened on Twitter. They started to police the lies that Twitter, uh, that Trump was telling. And now there's some, you know, uh, potential exodus to some other app, right? parlor right? And now there's this potential for Trump to break away from Fox even and create his own TV channel, right?
0: I think it's stronger than potential.
1: It's, And it's very possible that it will happen. But, you know, to what degree are these guys going to be successful at creating a parallel universe when really what they want is for the fake liberal press that they supposedly hate? They want Us to pay attention to them. They don't want to just be in a little like niche cable thing off on the right here, and just have you know the the diehards looking at them. That's not what they want. You know we are mistaking their narcissism uh, for political um, focus, as if they'll take over the RNC and command this you know frothing uh, base with the flags flapping. As if they know what they want to do with that, right? Now they could sell it to the highest bidder with there's politicians out there who would like to have them come and help be kingmakers, supposedly, right? But uh, how much do we, the media, become a party to that? And it's just I'm just throwing it out there as a question. I'm not saying that we won't cover the Trumps and their their spawn. Uh, You know, I'm not saying we won't pay attention when they do something newsworthy, but the question is, is uh, the power of Trump's Twitter feed has to do with the fact that he was president and everything he said was alarming because he was president. And there was this kind of, uh, you know, blowing apart of the norms because of the office that he had and Twitter being such a raw, primitive expression, right? So my question becomes, you know, everybody I'm on, there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, he's, they're scared that he's going to come out the back end of this and still be a huge force and come back in 2024. First of all, you know, he's hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. He's going to be exposed to lawsuits left, right, and center. And now that's newsworthy, (laughs) you know, and maybe he'll turn that into the news, showing up in court every day. This is exactly
0: right. This is, you're exactly right. I think that the way through this, and it's complicated and I think sometimes we'll get it right and sometimes we won't and we'll have to work harder, but I think that the way through this is you have to stop covering Trump as entertainment, which even as president we've really covered him as entertainment or mm-hmm. as sort of like a, a boogeyman. Yeah. You you can't cover every tweet because it's, it, it is irrelevant, as you just said. I think that there will be news that is objective news that you will have to cover. He's not going to disappear. He's not going to be like president Obama, who's going to leave office and go to Hawaii and write a memoir, which we can talk about in a little bit too. But that's not what we're going to see from president Trump. Not, not only because Donald Trump will continue to try and, um, use up all available oxygen but because there will be actual newsworthy events that are worthy of our time and our coverage and he won't get a say in what we're doing or saying and they won't be him trying to whip up coverage about him it will be attorneys general it will be the justice department it will be Mm -hmm. the SEC it will be any number of people who decide the FEC any number of people who decide to look into the president or don't uh, or his family or his business or whatever it may be. Those are things that are worth covering. Those are potential investigations that could be coming for the president, his family, his business. That's news. I think that it would be irresponsible for news organizations to cover things that the president is just trying to whip up for his own personal gain. That's not news. That's Entertainment—that's fear, whatever it is—that's ratings, and I don't think that that's the route that we should go down. And I think that from everyone who I've talked to, from other reporters, from executives, from everything that I'm reading, from our colleague Joe Pompeo, that that's not the direction that people want to go down. That people are very conscious of making sure that that's not the direction we go down. Right.
1: Well, the New York Times has been good about it this week because they've kept all of Trump's objections below the fold, you know, so mm-hmm. to speak, in the uh, even on the web uh, page. And, you know, I want to just note how much Joe Biden has uh, responded to this in such a measured way, the way he kind of laughed it off, you know, and his main kind of comment about it was this is embarrassing for the legacy of the president. And, you know, I would add embarrassing for the GOP going along with it. But uh, and I don't know if you saw earlier this week and any kind of um, paranoia I had about a coup was put to rest when I saw his lawyer, Bob Bauer. I don't know if you watched that video of him I did. when he went into detail about it. And you're like, thank God for adults uh, with information. You know, I mean, this is, it, 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 you know, if if I had my, you know, if we could make everybody in America watch that little clip, it might, you know, at least carve off some of this Paranoia and some of this. Uh, for those who haven't
0: watched, do you want to summarize the video?
1: Well, he just went into the details of all of the lawsuits that Trump has brought, and how all every one of them was thrown out of court because there was there was no there there, right? And that you know the basically any kind of paranoid argument you could come up with for why Trump might try to argue. Uh, We're not going to work out. And even if you did a recount in all of these states that are supposedly, uh, you know, in controversy, um, no recount, all the recounts that have ever been performed have never uh, amounted to more than like 430 on average votes. And Biden is winning by orders of magnitude more than that. And there's no chance in hell. There's a zero, you know, next to zero percent chance that this can happen. So then you ask yourself, and and by the way, this is what also what Bob Bauer said, this is noise. What you're seeing is noise. And that's another way of saying this is theater. This is more Trump theater. And of course, it's right on brand for him not to follow by the rules and to break up the norm. He's blowing up the last norm available for him to blow up, right? And he, as I said earlier this week uh, on Twitter, he's just... You know, he's firing people. He's pushing every button. He's like a crazy guy pushing every button he has, you know, before his ship breaks apart. This is Inside the Hive.
0: In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella.
1: Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of sh. Derek Hamilton
0: was put away for murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom.
1: Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars.
0: We never knew we had the same cop in the case.
1: It's Garcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves.
0: I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to
1: new episodes of The Burden starting March 19th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive content... Subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts.
0: Can I ask you, he's not speaking to a vacuum. He's speaking to millions and millions of people who voted for him. Mm -hmm. 70 million people have voted for him who believe what he's saying right now. Right. And... They exist in this country, and you and I are talking about this very rationally and Mm -hmm. are listening to Bob Bauer and his very rational explanations of this. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of Americans will never hear that. I have an answer for that.
1: I'm sorry that I've thought this through so much, and I don't know if any of it's true. I'm not saying that I'm the brilliant prognosticator, but here's the truth. This is an election year. Yes, all these people were very interested, and they voted for him, and they got passionate but everybody is going to have to go home eventually. You know, They people have jobs, people have lives to lead, and you can't, not everybody, even these Trump rally parades, these people have to uh, go about their lives. And they can spend their weekends doing this, I suppose, if they wanted to turn Trump into, into a hobby, you know. But we also know that there's a vaccine on the way. And when there's a new president, And six months from now, people are starting to take the vaccine and the, um, you know, the quarantine and the lockdown start to fade away and business begins to look up again and there things are going to change. And we're looking at everything right now from this very myopic, you know, incredibly stressed out election period. And projecting into the future that everything's going to continue to be like this, and I just don't believe it's going to continue to be like this. Trump might try to make it so that the heat never fades because he doesn't want the heat to fade because that heat is the media attention on him. But eventually, people are going to point their cameras elsewhere. People are going to turn the microphones elsewhere, and the economy is going to change, and the basically the things are going to change on the ground. So. Yes, he will retain some political constituency that he can manipulate and, you know, create a – maybe he'll create a media uh, channel of it, although considering all the other businesses that he's managed, I can't imagine it's going to do that well. Um, So, you know, listen, again, Joe the optimist, not always right, but that's my view.
0: You were right about this election in a way that that I didn't fear would come true. But – Here's my problem, and here's what I think the problem is for our country. It's not that I think you're wrong in your optimism. It's that the the reality is is that there are millions, tens of millions of people in this country who are susceptible to this kind of thinking. And I think that what we need to wrap our head and arms around is the fact that they exist in our landscape. That we are as Americans susceptible to disinformation to the desire to believe someone like that. And I think until we understand what is leading so many people in this country to want to believe these kinds of things, we will always sort of be an us and them, and that has not worked for the Democrats, right? To paint people as deplorables over the last five years has not worked, That didn't get more people to vote for Joe Biden. In fact, it got a record number of people to vote for President Trump. By by feeling like they were cast out for some of their beliefs has not reinvigorated the Democratic Party. And I think that, that something that we really should spend a lot of time doing is understanding the root cause of why people wanted to believe Donald Trump and are so willing to basically eat up every word he says when it, it defies all logic. When, it, when as Bob Bauer pointed out, these things have absolutely no merit, but you have so many people in this country just lapping it up. And there's a reason for it. And I think that we will all be better off when we understand that reason and we start to heal from there, right? Because we don't have to accept all of the scary, bad, horrible things that President Trump stands for and the people who have supported him have either agreed with or turned a blind eye to because they agree with other things that he supports. That's not something that I ever want to accept. I want better for America. You want better for America. Accepting that would be fundamentally, elementally wrong to who our country is, who we are as individuals, all of that. But we have to accept that there are people like that who who are willing to believe in someone like this because we need to get to the root of that to to heal that to understand what has gone so fundamentally wrong in this country so that we can get it on a better track and i think that that will be the most important work that could happen under a joe biden presidency i think that there is so much legislative work to do i think there is so much just stabilizing to do and all of that is incredibly important getting the economy back on track obviously any any progress of the pandemic would be the most welcomed godsend of all godsends. But the most important work has to come from understanding how this happened. That, that to I, me I will be transformational. That.
1: And I will also say that um, part of that, um, and this is going to be a very controversial subject in the next six Ooh. months, is Justice. Justice. I I was talking to, um, well, I can't, a a subject who I am profiling in the next issue of Vanity Fair. I'm not going to say who it is. spoiler But.
0: I know who it is, and
1: it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. And one one of the things he said to me was like, you know, people are going to want heads on platters after this. You know, it's not just about uh, let's find out what we missed about the masses who voted for Trump, but also we have to take back. The idea of truth and facts in this country and reestablish some sense of sanity. I mean, I do think there is an analysis to be done that I, I'm just going to call it the hillbilly elegy analysis, you know, mm-hmm. about what it is that the masses were getting out of Trump. I personally think that it had to do with entertainment. I mean, I do think there are problems in this country and that, as Dave Chappelle pointed out on SNL, that there are. You know, a, there's a, a population of um, white men whose livelihoods are going down, whose health and, and are having problems, and they're angry, and they're lost, and they're watching the country diversify. They don't get it. They don't understand it, and they feel um, placed out of it, right? I remember there was an editor of Time magazine many years ago, John Huey. Uh, he had an expression about selling magazines. He said, put the dog food down where the dog can eat it. You know, Mm. and it was a little bit about you know if you want to get the audience, you can't be too highbrow, you can't be too uh, pretentious, you can't you know you need to deliver the goods, and that's what Trump did, right? He put the food down where the dog could eat it. Now that's sort of mean, but uh, what I'm trying to say is basically it's like a uh, it is a combination of actual problems and the problem. I'm going back to that media thing I said a minute ago about uh, our complicity in, ter- in letting him be a ringmaster of a big top. And totally. I, I think that explains, frankly, why lots of um, you know people that wouldn't ordinarily vote for Republicans did so, because they wanted to be a part of something that looked big and fun and entertaining and noisy, right?
0: You're, you're totally right. You're totally right.
1: This is Inside the Hive.
0: You know, one of my current ASMR things that I do to to ease my brain is I watch other influencers on, I watch influencers on Instagram call out other influencers. And I don't know why it's so soothing to me, but it is really soothing. And if anyone's interested, I'm happy to give them a list of influencers who do this. But one of the things I'm starting to see or have seen over the last couple of months is um, specific influencers call out other influencers for like things like photoshopping, all the all this stupid stuff, but they call other influencers out for um, not wearing masks or for working out in gyms without masks or sometimes they'll have their their followers like f- send them photos of them doing things that are not pandemic safe. And it, it's like a, kind of could seem like a little bit stalkerish or bullyish, but the the intention, I think is right. And, and for whatever reason, influencers have a huge audience in this country. They have a, a huge amount of influence. That's the, the point. And so the fact that they post things that are not COVID safe, uh, it relays a strong message to their followers. And what's crazy to me is I've started to see sort of the backlash to the backlash where these influencers will post responses that they're getting from from their followers saying, why are you picking on them? Masks are not safe masks are what are going to get you sick this is a conspiracy from the left and it's like normal people who look pretty normal on instagram who believe that Mm -hmm. it's not safe to wear a mask and that masks do nothing and i know that this is a crazy way for me to see the world and for me to be open up to the fact that there are so many people in this country who don't believe in taking basic Mm -hmm. measures that will help everyone in this country get through a once in a lifetime pandemic. But it has opened my eyes to the fact that there are so many people who you wouldn't expect who don't who believe that coronavirus is a hoax. And what I hope happens in this in this postmortem period is we understand how those people come to believe that. What hole in their mm-hmm. life is being filled by Fox News, right? Because we understand that the vast majority of this is coming from Facebook and it's coming from Fox News, right? So right. I believe that those are two cancers on our society, right? And those mm-hmm. are two gigantic corporations whose employees say we are looking out for the for free speech in this country and mm-hmm. the best interest, but actually they're looking out for their bottom lines. And I think that history will not look kindly on anyone I who works either of those that. two countries, uh, the mm-hmm. companies. I, I firmly believe that, uh, and anyone who thinks otherwise, I think, is in denial. And but 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 Facebook and Fox News would not be successful if there wasn't a need hole. They are filling a need hole, and I think we underst- need to understand what that need hole is. Because let's mm-hmm. fill it with something else.
1: Well, right? it's it's, but it's co- lowest common denominator. That what it the, the what the need is. Uh, there's anger, and, sure. f- and where's that, that anger coming fear. from? Fear, and the fear right. is coming from people's being overwhelmed by change. And sure. and if we wanted to get really twenty thousand, you know, miles in the air and looking down, most of our lifetimes no matter what age you are at this point, have been a relentless change, relentless Mm. change. And that's America on one level, but it's been exponentially, you know, more rapid um, in the last 20 years than the human mind can handle in some ways. And, you know, culture takes time to catch up uh, to what's happening, you know, and, and to all the you know, changes, and then the TV reflects it back in a myriad of different ways, and everybody's an opportunist to try to take advantage of the fear or the feelings, the feels, as the kids say. So I'm just trying to say that uh, I think this postmortem that you're talking about is going to be one of the most important conversations that we have over the next months and years, and I'm sure we'll return to it many times, but um, it's so very true. Now, I wanted to just say something funny uh about uh last week you and i were talking mm. and uh you were actually uh, talking at that moment and you and i are looking at each other on zoom i'm sitting here with my laptop um accessing this conversation and you know how once in a while if somebody has an apple tv or if they have an apple phone and a stray signal comes and like Make something happen on your laptop. I don't know if anybody's hap- have has hap- had that I have happen. No before. idea what you're talking about. But yeah, I occasionally, know like going. I was sitting here talking to you, and I wasn't pressing anything, I wasn't doing anything, and suddenly, out of the blue my Spotify started playing on my laptop mm. and it was coming into my earphones. You couldn't hear it, <laughs> but suddenly it blasted out and scared me to death. <laughs> and, and, it, and you know what it was? I had, it was a song I'd never heard before. I did not have it queued up. It was the most bizarre rando thing.
0: That's this. And, I can't believe it's taking you this long to tell me this. It's so And, funny. and I was
1: panicking sitting there going, Oh my God, I got to turn <laughs> this off. She's talking. I can't hear what she's saying. And, um, and later on, when we were done with our conversation, I went to Spotify. I said, what was that song that blasted into my ears in the middle of our conversation? And it was On the Sunny Side of the Street. Wow. By Dizzy Gillespie. And he sings a little bit in it. And the lyrics are, you know, just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. And it, I've been, we've been walking, uh, you know, with our blues on parade for all this time and all you have to do is walk over to the sunny side of the street. And I have to say I thought about that afterwards and I was like, you know, um, good advice. And and it also just went with it's the like,
0: moment. I'm, I'm not kidding you, I'm starting to cry. I don't know why it's making me very emotional <laughs> but that, that weird act of, of divine Spotify intervention is making me very emotional. What an amazing message. This is, that's a perfect song for this
1: week. It was the perfect thing and i've been listening to it ever since it's from an album called sunny side up and the reason it's called sunny side up is because and this is a little jazz nerd stuff but Sonny rollins and Sonny stitt are also on it with dizzy gillespie and it's one it's a beautiful song anyway and there are many beautiful versions of it including by willie nelson did one of the best but uh i think if you go listen to that song dear listener um it'll give you a little uh a good feeling and also kind of a reset, a thematic reset and ways to think about this moment about how we don't have to be mired in this dark conversation anymore. If we choose to just go the other way and um, you know, that's my, uh, my kind of wish and, and hope.
0: Joe, I actually, for the first time since we took over this podcast, I'm going to jo- I'm re- legitimately going to join you on the sunny side of the street. I feel like, democracy worked Yeah, the processes worked everything that was supposed to fire fired and it's a great thing in America to watch this happen and we have someone who is trying to at every turn undermine all these processes and it's not working right I think that what we're hearing now as you said earlier is noise but these processes are happening we have a president elect who is both taking this incredibly seriously and also not miring in the muck that the president, the current president, is trying to make. Yeah. And it's just such a great combination. You see President elect Biden starting to announce members of his administration and members of task force and legislative agendas. How great is it that there's a legislative agenda? Even if you don't agree with anything that President Biden is going to do. The fact that there is a legislative agenda should hearten everybody. Mm -hmm. It just feels like business as as usual. And I know that there's been such a backlash to Washington as usual, the swamp as usual, but I think that there's something really um, kind of leave it to beaverish about uh, a, a plan for what could happen in Congress or executive orders that could happen that don't involve separating hundreds of children from their parents. What a yeah. Wonderful feeling that will be. I'm going to join you on the sunny side.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we're walking to the sunny side of the street. I hope you'll do the same. Uh, let's come back. Let's come back next week, and and talk about life on the sunny side. I hope that's where we're at. Uh, but it's going to, you know. I think. Us taking steps in that direction is the first step for all of us, right? All of us just deciding to do it. So let's do it.
0: See you on the sunny side. Thank you to my co-host, Joe Hagen. If you enjoyed this conversation, please be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive. You can find those on Apple Podcasts, radio.com or anywhere you get your podcast. And don't forget to leave a good review while you're there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for all their hard production work. And of course, thanks to our sponsors. Please support them any way you support this podcast. We will see you on the sunny side right here next week.